Fans, and welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today, I will be your host. Today's show, we are talking about the NBA. I know the season is getting ready to start here Wednesday, so I'm going to be going over a preview for both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. I'll be breaking that down into two shows. Today's show is the Eastern Conference. Before we actually jump into it, I just want to go ahead and thank our platform, which is now uh, Anchor, which is now Spotify podcast and then i want to go ahead and thank youtube uh you can find us there at real talk sports with rico both of those links will be in the show notes i just want to thank the sponsors out there who put sponsorship on the show and the fans out there who have actually chimed in on a week-to-week basis to actually listen to the content and help us get better here so without further ado let's go ahead and jump right into it guys we're going to start off here with my team, uh, the Chicago Bulls, guys, and I will actually be putting teams up on the screen here if you're looking at the video podcast on YouTube or Spotify. So you'll actually be able to see some players here. We'll be going over some details. So let's jump right into it here. So let me add them up here. And you're looking at the Chicago Bulls right now, um, starting with DeMar DeRozan here. So You know, DeMar DeRozan, uh, going back, he is the guy for the Chicago Bulls. I think that when you look at DeMar DeRozan, you look at what he brings, I think that everything starts with him. I think he was the most healthiest player out there last year, and I think that he's essentially going to be um, the rock, I think, for Chicago this year. Um, The question for DeRozan is, will he be able to really extend a little bit more and be a little bit more of a three-point threat. Um, I know he's a two-point specialist, but that was one of the things that I think Chicago really struggled with last year was making three-pointers. But this guy pretty much did everything for them. I mean, he was like a one through five here for them. Um, You know, and essentially, I I think he's going to be the MVP for this team again this year. Um, Looking up, you're seeing right now, um, also too, right there in the far screen, you're seeing Lonzo Ball. He's going into his third knee surgery here. Um, you know, and the question for the Bulls now is what are they going to get at the point guard? And I just had J- Javon Carter up on the screen. I'll bring him back up now. Uh, but Javon Carter is coming off a career year uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. He did have some extensive time with the Phoenix Suns as well. And this is the first time that he's actually going to be. Uh, Not in a backup role, but he's actually going to be a starting point guard, I believe, since his college days in West Virginia here. So, um, you know, the question is going to be how far can the Bulls go? Obviously, they're not going to have Lonzo again here. Um, Pretty much, you know, the NBA fan can cite here a sixth or seventh Eastern Conference team that has more talent and depth here. Um, You know, I think the player that must take a leap for Chicago this year has got to be Patrick Williams. Um, You know, they drafted him fourth overall in 2020. Uh, He enters his fourth season and essentially he's going to be starting again here. And he came into a class with Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Desmond Bain, Tyrese Maxey, and a half of a dozen other players here. And each of those players have pretty much went on to be a really, really good um, talent here in this league. So, you know, there is a question mark there at that small forward position for the Bulls. And I think if they're going to take a step forward here in this division, they're really going to have to answer that. Next up, you have the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so, 
look, we knew that Cleveland was going to have a good year last year um, when they got Donovan Mitchell over there. And it didn't shock me that they were able to get to the playoffs. The question with Cleveland is they really fell apart here, okay? Because once they got into the playoffs, they got stymied by New York. Um, and now the question is, what can Donovan Mitchell do to really elevate this roster and take them perhaps where only LeBron James has been able to take them? And this is, I think, something with Donovan Mitchell. There was a lot of expectation for him when he was with Utah. And the question was, could he lead a team you know, passed around one, passed around two. And he really hasn't answered that question yet. Um, I love Donovan Mitchell. He's a four-time All-Star. He had a career season in scoring last season with the 28.3, and he shot 48.4% from the field. But he's going to have to translate that talent into the playoff success here. Now, I do love what Cleveland has done. Um, you know, up front, you're looking here that they do have – Darius Garland to go with them. They've got Evan Mobley. They've got Jared Allen, who is like my favorite big man. And they're going to get Jarius LeVert back. Hopefully he's healthy. Uh, the question for them is now that they've added more shooting, they've got the Max Struces there. They've got George Neon coming over from Philadelphia. That's going to give them a little bit more three-point shooting here. That's going to help them a little bit more with their player movement and versatility. I think they got stagnated here. I think they get a little bit longer defensively. I'm not saying that they're going to get athletically. Um, you know, I, I like the fact that they have Struces over here. I think that this is going to help them uh, with Allen, who I think is is still trying to mesh here. Um, to go along with Evan Mobley. Um, you know, he didn't fare very well against the physical style of New York last year. I think he's going to be a little bit more prepared here. Um, you know, I think the, the key question here um, for the Cavs is they've really got to say to themselves, they're at least expecting to be into the semifinals this year. Um, I, I think that this would be a real disappointment for them if they're not able to. I think the player that has to take the leap for them has got to be Evan Mobley. His skill set um, has it, it has to surpass the work ethic that he's really putting out there. And the question is, can he get better with enhancing his offense and getting a little bit more range on his shooting? I think the three-point shot is going to be critical for Cleveland. Next up, the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons are probably, uh, to me, they're one of my most exciting teams that you have to watch for this year. Like, I'm really excited to see Detroit. And I know a lot of people are probably like, what? The Pistons, they've been terrible. I'm telling you. Look, they have Monte Williams over there first and foremost. And you know Monte Williams has been in the NBA Finals. He's been on some successful OKC staffs with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook here. And they've got some young pups. They've added some really nice veterans here. And I think that the real question is, can Monty Williams unlock the right lineups and the right rotations here, finding enough shooting to stay on the floor, um, and then also to keeping this team engaged defensively? You know, I think that what's new for the Pistons, what's really exciting for them is the fact that they have – um, Azir Thomas coming over here, you know, the two brothers, one went to uh, the Rockets, the other one here to Detroit. I think he's been fabulous. I've been watching him in the preseason. I also watched him in the summer league here. Um, you know, I, I think that this kid has a real shot at being a starter here. You're looking on my screen right now. You're looking at Kate Cunningham. 
Uh, Kate Cunningham really hasn't been able to stay healthy. I think that this is where Azur Thomas actually gives them a little bit more of an insurance policy to go with Jaden Ivey, who I think is fabulous. I think he's a must-watch guy. Um, I think that he's going to be one of the best point guards in the NBA of all time. And I love the fact that they've added Joe Harris. They've added Monte Morris over here. That's going to give Detroit some depth here and rotation and maturity as far as building off the court and some much needed playmakers and shooters that are going to come through in the clutch for them. So I like their ads here. Um, you know, the real question for them is going to be, uh, can they increase their victories here? I, I mean, that's really the question, you know, from 17 to 34, what's next for them? I feel like if they can get into the 40 to 50 range, they're looking at a pretty good chance in a playoff here. Um, you know, as far as the player that must take the leap for them, it's got to be Cade Cunningham. Um, you know, Cade Cunningham in his first two seasons, uh, he's only played, you know, 64 and then 12 games. You really haven't seen a whole bunch of him. I think it is a fair comparison. A lot of people feel like that he's a lot like what um, what Paul George is, and I agree with that. I think that Paul George and him are exactly the same players, and I think that the injuries are what are key for both of those players. And so, you know, if he can be on the floor here, he's going to be a real contributor for them. Um, you know, in his games that he did play, he's averaging 19 points, uh, six rebounds a game and six assists. So it's just a question of can you get this guy out there for 70 games here because he is on trajectory to be an all-star, but you've got to have him on the floor here. So, um, you know, that's really my roundup with the Detroit Pistons. Next up, my next most exciting team here is going to be the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I think the Pacers are going to be fabulous. I actually have this guy on my radar, Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's going to be an excellent pick if you're looking at fantasy basketball as well. Uh, this guy is a triple-double threat. Uh, the real question for Tyrese Halliburton is can he stay healthy? You know, he only played 56 games last year. I think that this team, if they're going to take that playoff leak or leap, excuse me, he's going to have to play a little bit more. Um, I love the fact that they did bring over the versatile Bruce Brown here off of Denver's uh, championship squad here. Um, that was huge for them. He's a solid two-way guy. And, you know, I, I like the fact that he's going to be able to play multiple positions here for you. And I really feel like, you know, this is the year for them, you know, to really push forward. I like that they went out and they got Jace Walker out of Houston. I think he's going to be excellent. I love the fact that they got Obi Toppin over here. He's going to bring a lot of energy and toughness out there for them coming over from New York. And I, I just like the fact here that, you know, Indiana is ranked only 21st offensively in 26 last season, but it led the NBA in fast breaks with 18.1. And they want to run even more. I think they have the pieces to run here. And I think that they're going to have the interior to bring their defense out of the bottom tier of the 26. I expect this team to be in the, the 10 to 15 range with their length, with their physicality. You put Miles Turner back out there healthy. Suddenly this team's scary. The range that they have defensively on the perimeter with Halliburton, with Brown, um, they've got um, – the kid from Gonzaga as well uh, to come over to, to give him a little bit of that. You've also got, um, you've also got the talented um, 
rookie that was playing last year for them, Benedict Matherin, who will be able to score. You're hoping he takes a leap defensively. They have Buddy Heald out there. So there's so much to like about the Pacers here. And that is the one player that I think is going to have to take a leap for them is going to be Benedict Matherin. I think that Benedict Matherin, he was right there for rookie of the year in the validation. He finished fourth here, but he's got to take a major leap as far as being efficient um, you know, he definitely thrives in the six man role here um, in that secondary lineup. So I think there's definitely room there. And as much scoring as he did, his improvement has got to be better because you look at his percentages, they were up and down at most. So he's got to be better there. Um, and he does his best work when he's attacking the rim and getting to the foul line. So perhaps, you know, instead of him being a little bit more of a volume shooter, he concentrates on getting to the basket a little bit more. Next up in this division, we have uh, – well, also, too, they've got Daniel Tice over there, so not to mention him. And um, Jordan Nuramba, Obi Toppin we talked about, and Nimward is who I wanted to talk about from Gonzaga, so the kid from Gonzaga. Next up, the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Milwaukee Bucks might be the class here in this particular division – um, you know, I think it's expected that they're probably going to win this division. I talked about it a little bit before. They've gotten a lot more length with, um, you know, Giannis. You have Portis. You have Chris Middleton. They still have Brooke Lopez. They've got Jay Crowder out there. Um, you know, Dame is not a slouch defensively either. So I think defensively, this team has got better. Obviously, offensively, they've gotten better as well. And I love the fact that they've got some insurance here with um, Cameron Payne, who you're looking at on the screen as a backup point guard. They also have some good shooters to go there. They have Malik Beasley. They have Pat Covington here. So even though the Bucks gave up some pieces in this Dame Lillard trade, I think that you could one could probably argue that this might be one of the best offensive units that they put uh, together around Giannis here. And I think Giannis was not necessarily growing frustrated, but there was some real kind of, uh, you know, it, it was some wondering going on here because it's like if the Bucks weren't going to shake it up a little bit, you honestly could possibly see maybe Giannis moving on. There was the noise that he perhaps could go to Golden State for real this time, um, but we'll see what happens. I think the player to really watch for for this team has got to be Chris Middleton. You know, Chris Middleton has got to take that leap. He's got to take that step. He's got to get back to where he was as far as the NBA Finals, Chris Middleton. I think that that's really the key for him. Um, you know, if Chris Middleton can perhaps get back to where he was when he was an all-star, um, you know, he's a nice boost in scoring, shooting, it's just his availability, okay? He he only averaged 15.1, 43.6 uh, field goal percentage here in just 33 games. He's 32 now. Um, he should get a lot more cleaner looks and better opportunities with Dame out there. Um, you know, he, he's also got to, to pick it up defensively here. That's going to be key for them. So, you know, I, I think that Milwaukee is going to win this division. I think that... Um, obviously Giannis has got to be healthy when you look back at what happened to the Bucks last year because Giannis went down I think that that made it easier for Miami to get past the Bucks. now I'm not going to take anything from Miami because they were tough but I think now that you have Dame Lillard out there that gives them a little bit more of an insurance policy and I think the best thing about this deal with Dame coming over 
is a lot of teams used to play like a box and basically they used to sit back in the paint and they would wait for Giannis to drive. Now it's like when you do that, you're basically going to be cheating a little bit off of Dame. Um, you're going to be cheating off of Malik Beasley. You're going to be cheating off Jay Crowder and guys that can shoot the basketball. So I think Milwaukee is going to be able to probably shoot its best three-point percentage since Mike Budenhauer's been there. All right, guys. So next up here, let's go over to our next division in the Eastern Conference here, and that's starting with the Philadelphia 76ers, guys. And so, you know, I think that it's no big uh, – it, it's not – how can I say it? It's not like it's not a big story, but James, the James Harden story is really sitting on this, this Philadelphia 76ers team, like a bad cloud. Um, I, I think honestly speaking, you know, going into this thing, the Philadelphia 76ers, they should in a lot of ways, I mean, I'm not going to say they should win this division, but they should be in the top of this division. But I think because of the James Harden situation, they might be middle of the pack here, you know, because I just think from a chemistry standpoint, it's going to be tough for them, you know, because in this Atlantic division, you have the Celtics, you have the Nets, you have the Knicks, you have the, the Sixers and the Rafters. I believe the Rafters were a playoff team. The Sixers were a playoff team. The Nets were a playoff team. The Knicks were a playoff team. And so were the Celtics. So, you know, it's and these teams actually got better in this division. So, you know what Joel Embiid's going to do, okay? But you don't know what the situation is with James Harden. He wants to force his way out, and he wants to go come home to the Clippers. Um, I, I mean, Daryl Morrill seems like he's into a real standoff with James Harden, and it's a weird, bizarre situation because he gave up. Uh, you know, capital and players to get James Harden over there. He obviously had success with him in Houston. And it's really weird because they don't want to give him a long-term contract, which I get it. You know, he's not the James Harden of the MVP years. Um, you know, he didn't quite get that kind of separation and into the lane, but he's still a, a super effective player. He's got to be top 15 to 20 in the league still, and he still can help you a lot. Um, but, you know, it's just... You, if you take him off the roster, now you're down to Tyrese Maxey, who I think, to be honest with you, he's going to be the player that we're probably going to want to watch for this year. But it's just like, I don't think Philadelphia really improved enough as far as the, the depth is concerned. Like, I don't think that they have enough really surrounded about uh, around um, Joel Embiid. And I think that they're kind of right back to the drawing board like where they were with the Ben Simmons situation. Like, I think that this is Ben Simmons 2.0 now, right? And so, look, I love the fact that they've got Kelly Olubre over here. I think he's going to bring some toughness here and some grit here. You do have Nick Nurse bringing his coaching style over there. He's had a championship, but so did Doc Rivers, and he still wasn't able to turn the page over there. Um, I love that they have Patrick Beverly over here. That's going to give them a little bit more feistiness and toughness here. Uh, but Philadelphia just hasn't done enough for me. Um, and I, I just I, I just think that this James Harden situation is going to be tough for them to overcome. Uh, they've got so many different free agents here. The player, like I said, to take a leap is going to be Maxi. Uh, he shot 40 percent or better on at least 
300 three-point attempts in each of his last two seasons here. And if Harden is unavailable, this guy is going to be the main guy here. But again, the lack of depth here, I'm not really sold on Paul Reed. I don't really know what I'm going to get with Kelly Olubre or yeah, Olubre in this system. Um, I, I'm really not high on the 76ers this year. I think it's going to be the down year for them. Next up, you have the Boston Celtics. So the Boston Celtics got better. Obviously, you know what Jalen Brown, you know what Jason Tatum can do. But the main addition here to me is Drew Holiday. Um, I know that they got rid of Marcus Smart, but essentially, I think that they got more offense with Drew Holiday. Okay, so they got the defensive piece and they got the offensive piece with Drew Holiday. Now, I'm not saying that Drew Holiday is going to win defensive player of the year. But what I will say is this. When Drew Holiday went to Milwaukee, they won a chip. Now, this could be the what the Celtics need to get past that to get the chip because he's a bit more steady as a point guard. I think that he's going to make some terrific defensive plays there. I think he's going to hold Jalen Brown and he's going to hold Jason Tatum accountable here. Um, you know, they sent away Brogdon. They sent away Robert Williams. They sent away Grant Williams here. Um, they brought over Porzingis. You know, Porzingis. He can be a unicorn, but the question is, can he stay healthy? And that was my biggest thing with him. Can he stay healthy? Um, now you're going to have to depend a little bit more on Peyton Pritchard, who just got the big deal. Al Horford's a little bit older. Um, you know, you're going to be looking here for Brissett, who is a rookie that they just got that they're going to have to trust as far as being a big man. So, Yes, the Celtics are getting older, but I think that the Celtics are still in a very good situation here. Um, I do like what they brought in from a rookie standpoint here. Um, you know, I, I think that they are going to be tough. I, I like the fact that, you know, they've still got the pieces from, you know, the finals run that they had um, a year or two ago as well. So I think that they're going to be right there. I think this is going to be the year maybe that the Celtics really push through, especially since the Sixers are going to have – uh, a down uh, in this division here. So again, just kind of going through the Celtics real quickly, taking a look here, Peyton Pritchard, like I said, he's going to be a guy that you're going to put a lot of pressure on. Next up is going to be the New York Knicks. So the Knicks, um, it, it all starts with Jalen Brunson. Okay. So Jalen Brunson is their most consistent player here. And with the addition of Jalen Brunson, they were able to come back from a down year. Um, the question for me with the Knicks is going to be, what are they going to do with R.J. Barrett? Like, I thought that R.J. Barrett was going to have a breakout year. And don't get me wrong, R.J. Barrett is a tough player. He's very serviceable. He is a guy that I definitely would want to have on my locker room. But for the lottery pick, though, you know, I thought he would be more like a franchise player for the Knicks. It hasn't really worked out like that. Julius Randle has kind of taken a step back. There is the question of are they going to trade away Mitchell Robinson um, they do have Josh Hart and they have a lot of Villanova guys. I like the fact that they brought over Dante Devangento here, which adds a little bit of wing depth here. He shot 39.7% from three-point range last season, and he defends pretty well. Um, you know, they are in a situation where it's like, what are they going to get from Quentin Grimes here? I think that he has to step up this year as a little bit more of a two-way player. And, you know, again, you know, with R.J. Barrett, I think that he's going to be the key for them. He was the number three pick in the 2019 draft. I think a lot of people have thought that it's been disappointing via the four seasons here. 
Um, and among 139 players with at least 2,000 field goal attempts over four seasons, only Dylan Brooks' 50.8% has a lower true shooting percentage than Barrett's 51.7. And so that's tough, you know, considering that a lot of people would say the shooting is probably what got Dylan Brooks out of Memphis. And now you're looking at him just being a point over. Um, that doesn't really bode well. You need him to take a step or the Knicks might be looking to possibly ship him out here. Um, so that's what I would say here. They need him to become an efficient secondary scorer here. They've got a lot of different stuff coming up here. Free agent wise, they've got Emmanuel quickly, who I think is going to be huge for them. Uh, Jericho Sims, um, They've got uh, Jacob, Jacob Toppin here. They got some free agents that were some critical pieces here that um, probably will not be there with the roster here. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that's my thoughts here on the Knicks. I think that they're going to be in it. Um, certainly with Thibodeau, I, I hope they don't take a step back. I, I think that they take a step forward in this one. I, I think it's a real chance that they could possibly – be in the semis or the finals again. So it's a, it's a possibility. Remember, they got beat by the Knicks, um, but I, I think, or excuse me, they got beat by the Heat. So I think that maybe they push past the Heat this year. Perhaps they have to go out and get a free agent or so, and R.J. Barrett has to play well. Next up, the Nets. And so starting with the Nets, uh, Mikel Bridges. So I was high on Mikel Bridges. I've been talking well about Mikel Bridges. Uh, love his game. Um, love everything about this young guy, man. And, uh, super cool. Um, actually, you know, met him in person, man. And this guy is just, I think he's phenomenal. I think he's going to have a good year, man. I think that, um, you know, Miguel Bridges, I think you're going to see a huge breakout year. I think when he was with Phoenix, what you saw was he was, he obviously was a, the best, one of the best two-way players in the league, if not the best. And, you, I knew he could score out of Villanova, and I've always thought that Philadelphia was going to regret trading him on draft night. And I definitely think that this is the year that he puts everybody on note. Like, yeah, he came over in the trade and he played well, but I think that this is the year. It's a full year with him with the Nets. Like, he's the guy. Like, I think that he is literally going to put the league on note here. And I think that the Nets have severely moved on from the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irvin, um, James Harden situation. Like, I think the Nets are in a better situation. Like, look at this. They've got um, Cam Johnson over here. You know he can shoot the ball. The question with him is the health. I love Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, as a Bulls fan, I wish they would have kept him. They kept Jeremy Grant instead, and that didn't work out. You know, meanwhile, Spencer Dinwiddie's career – it improved. And, you know, he had a knee injury. Detroit shipped him over. They let him go. Chicago got him and Chicago didn't utilize him. He went on to have a, a very productive year. Um, you know, he played well with the Wizards and he's back to the starting guard with the Nets. And I think that his efficiency is really what is the key for him. And I think he's terrific for them as far as running the offense. Dorian Smith or Finley Smith, I think he's a great defender. Loved him in um, Dallas. I think that that was a great uh, look for them. Um, you're looking at Claxton right there at center. Athletic lob catcher. I think he's huge for the Nets. So I like the Nets. I like everything about them here. Um, you know, what's new with them is they do have Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker uh, over there to bring some athleticism to the bench here. They added them on some minimum contracts. Um, 
you know, they did part ways with Seth Curry, Joe Harris, and Patty Mills, but that's okay. I, I think that they got a lot better here. And I think that the real question for them is going to be Ben Simmons. Okay. He's 27 years old here, much better on defense, but Brooklyn could use his offense skills as much as anything here. So while Bridges is going to be the prolific and efficient scorer here, um, you know, he's not necessarily going to be the playmaker there. So it's what is what are you going to get from Simmons, who has just played 42 games over the last two years, says he's healthy. And I always see him in these pickup games and he's like destroying people, man. I'm looking to see that in real time now. OK, they got Noah Clowney over here from Alabama. So they're in a good situation um, again, man. They went, you know, 12 and 15 the regular season. Uh, the only team that got swept in the first round of the playoffs. And I don't think that they're going to get swept this year if they get into the playoffs. Next up, the Rafters. And so the Rafters, uh, to me, I think have gotten a lot uh, weaker here in this division. I, I don't like what they did with Van Fleet, but they got rid of them. And I think it was more so in favor of Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes. I think it's going to feature them a lot more. I think that they're going to get a lot more shots here. Um, and then now that they have Schroeder over there, I'd expect Schroeder to have a real bounce back year um, for the Rafters. Now he's starting a lot like what he did with Atlanta. Didn't necessarily work out with the Celtics. He turned down money with the Lakers. Um, you know, that's always going to be, um, you know, I guess a part of him where he turned down that money. So, um, you know, I, I think that they have a real steal with uh, Grady Dick coming out of Kansas. Like, this guy can play. Um, he is a big wing. He's fearless when he shoots the basketball. Got a chance to watch him in summer league, and I think that he's going to be an excellent fit right there for the Rafters. Um, they did get uh, Jacob Portal back over there, so that is going to help him a little bit with the big. Not sure what I think about OG Anobly. It's the question of can he stay healthy? Uh, these guys are the lone players that are left here from that championship core now. So it's almost like the Rafters are headed towards a little bit of a rebuild. They fired Nick Nurse here. Um, you know, they underachieved last season. I, I'm I'm sorry I led with that. They actually made the playoffs. They actually finished ninth and they were in the playing game situation. So technically they were in the playoffs, but they weren't um, until they got eliminated by Chicago, actually. So I do remember that. Uh, but as Miami went on that incredible run. So, um, yeah, the, the players that kind of must take a leap here is got to be, um, you know, Schroeder and it's got to be Scotty Barnes. You know, Barnes will probably have to take a little bit larger role as a playmaker here. Um, he's also going to need to shoot a little bit better. And his field goal percentage was kind of horrid. I mean, it was 38.5 on the shots from outside the paint last season. And that's second most, it was the second most worst mark among 212 players with at least 200 attempts there. Um, he did show some potential of doing everything as a star as a rookie, uh, but he's no longer a rookie now. And so he's got to really do something here because this is a team that it is turning over now from um, that championship core. And they're going to have to try to find something here. Um, and I don't think it's going to be acceptable for Toronto to finish in ninth place this year. So, um, you know, they're going to have to figure something out. And so next up here, we move to our last division here in the Eastern Conference, and that is going to be um, the Southeast Division. So uh, starting off here, 
I'm going to add them to the screen. And we're starting with the Atlanta Hawks. And so first off, you're looking at uh, Trey Young. Um, you know, that was an interesting um, situation there last year. Um, I believe, you know, they had moved on from the coach because he had fell out there um, with the head coach. Um, you know, it came to a point where he didn't even want to show up for games. And so now he's he's got <laughs> he's got a new coach. Uh, basically the John Collins era is over now. So they moved on from him. They shipped him over to Utah or Utah, excuse me. Now um, you're going to go with Nkongwu, who actually was the high school teammate of LaMelo Ball. So he'll be featured at this centered. Um, I love A.J. Griffin out of Duke. I think he's going to get a lot more play here. They brought a veteran, Patty Mills and Wesley Matthews over here. So perhaps that will hold Trey Young and, um, you know, Bogan a lot more accountable. They do have uh, Sadiq Bay over here as well. He had a really good end of the year last year. So, um, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Hawks. I mean, they used their first round draft pick on Kobe um, Bufkin, a sharp shooting guard from Michigan. Um, he'll likely need a little bit more time to to get some development here before he kind of gets into the rotation here. Um you know, I think that they do have Dijon Murray over here, which was a huge, you know, sign for them last year. So, you know, the the backcourt is set for Atlanta. It's definitely set for them. You know, I think that really the big question for Atlanta is, you know, they reached the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago. They regressed. The competition has improved in this division and in the Eastern Conference here. The question is, can they rebound or do they have to move on from Trey Young? I mean, there was talk about that. So, you know, the one person that would help them kind of take the leap back to where they were since they got rid of Herder and those guys is going to be DeAndre Hunter. OK, so the Hawks show good faith by extending him. Uh, he's been injured. Um, and so, you know, the question is now you're wanting to see his progression. OK, Um he does a lot of things good, but nothing really great. And he's going to have to step in now for John Collins. And so Hunter showed some good stuff, but he hasn't really showed it consistently. So if he can consistently pair well with Trey Young and be that lot, excuse me, that lottery pick that the Hawks need, then you could see them possibly get back into the Eastern Conference Finals. The Miami Heat. Okay, so the Miami Heat, we know who they are. We know it starts with Jimmy Buckets. Um, you know that they're going to be tough. They're going to be gritty. Obviously, they're not trading Tyler Hero because Dame Lillard is now with Milwaukee. Um, you're looking at Caleb Barton, Kevin Love, Bam Ayabayu. Pretty much the core is still together with Miami. My problem with Miami is that they now don't have Max Struces. They don't have Gabe um, Gabe uh, Jennings as well. And so, you know, my question is for them now, um, what are they going to do and who is those players that um, no longer play? What are those players that they, they had last year, right? The undrafted, who's going to be the undrafted this year. And so I like the fact that they brought over Thomas Bryan. I think that that's going to help with Bam Alibaru, especially if he goes down. Um, I love the fact you still have uh, Kyle Lowry here, even though he slowed down. He's got the injuries. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that 
you know, they do have some names that I think are going to be serviceable for them. So looking at this guy, Jaime Jaquez, watched a lot of his games at UCLA, and he fits Miami Heat culture. Like he's almost like when you watch his game tape and you look at him right now, if he can stay healthy, he reminds you a little bit of kind of what Jimmy Butler does. He does a little bit of everything. Like he has a sick post game, right? His footwork is beautiful. He has a good mid range. He's solid there. He's unafraid to shoot the three pointer and he's tough and he doesn't get rattled. I remember when I actually watched him go out and play at the Drew League um, at St. Bosco High School when the Drew League was there uh, during the pandemic. And this guy was getting heckled by a fan and he. <laughs> He politely pointed to his jersey and said, are you talking to me? And the guy says, yes, you. He ends up draining the free throw. He goes on to have a 23-12 and 12 game, something like that. And that right there let me know the mindset that Jaime Jaquez has, and it is tough. And so, guys, I'm telling you right now, this guy could be a steal. Uh, don't be uh, shocked if he's not a top five rookie in this class, okay? I'm, I'm just I'm putting that out there right now. I love what they have with Coach Swister coming over from the Lakers. I think that's how you say his name, the sharpshooter. I love that they got him. Um, I think Orlando Robinson is definitely going to be a huge fit for them. Like, I think that this guy, uh, he could be a steal. Um, yeah, Cole Swider. So I think that this guy is another guy right here that is going to help them with the uh, the undrafted rookies and players that have actually left. So the Heat might pick up exactly where they left off. Next up, you have the Charlotte Hornets. So starting with LaMelo Ball. Okay, LaMelo Ball broke his ankle last year. And the real question for uh, for Charlotte now is like, okay, can he stay healthy? Because I think as far as running with the basketball, I think that the Hornets are going to be elite. I think that they're going to be top and fast break points here. Um you know, it, it does hurt the fact that they got Miles Bridges back, but I think he is facing more legal issues here. Um, he was a 20-point scorer. If they can get him back, I'm not sure if they're going to get him. Management has changed from Jordan now to um, a new owner at this point in time. They did get Brandon Miller. They took him instead of Scoot Henderson. Um you know, that's a decision that they say raised eyebrows. And I'm not sure because Scoot Henderson is a guy that, and I'll talk about him in the West. I think that he might be in the running for rookie of the year. Um, I don't know if you necessarily wanted to put Scoot Henderson with LaMelo Ball. I think that they have a lot of faith in La LaMelo Ball. Um, you know, I think the player that has to take a leap here has got to be P.J. Washington. I think he's freshly signed the three-year $48 million extension here. Um, he's been inconsistency and you know charlotte's put a huge financial commitment on him obviously here um but you know charlotte doesn't anticipate anything along the lines of a 43 pointer he had last march against okc but better rebounding has got to be the point for him he's got to be a better rebounder here um along with being a little bit more of a consistent score here so um you know you only got 36 games from lomelo ball I feel like he's got to be out there to help this team here uh, go on to get back into at least a playing situation. And I think it'll be a huge disappointment if they're only at a playing situation. The one thing that does scare me about Charlotte is that they have a lot of veterans that tend to get hurt, um, whether it's scary Terry Rozier, 
uh, Gordon Haywood. These guys have been injured a lot. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm just looking here and I'm saying to myself, like, when you're looking at the screen, um, you're looking at Nick Smith Jr. Like, I think that this guy has a real potential to be a really good guard. Got a chance to watch him in summer league coming out of Arkansas. This guy can score in every level. He's unafraid and he's 6'4", but he plays like he's 6'8". He's another guy like Jaime Jaquez, guys, that I would not be surprised if he's top five in the rookie ballot in here. Brandon Miller, the consistency. I mean, there's times that he showed he was stellar. In the preseason and summer league, I watched him smooth shot. Uh, but then there were times, man, he just it looks like he's pressing a little bit and trying to figure it out. So, um, you know, he's got to get past just using the sheer athleticism. Next up, we're talking about the Orlando Magic, who obviously I think are the youngest core, the most exciting out of the Eastern Conference uh, last season. And I think are really they have that target to kind of go up another level this year, especially since they've added Anthony Black and Jed Howard over here in the draft. And, you know, pretty much they went out and got Joe Ingles, who was a little bit more of a low-cost um, veteran here, to add some shooting presence here. Um, you know, they've extended um, Mo Wagner here to go with Franz Wagner, who I think is going to be very good. He does a lot of things well. Um, you know, the question for them you know, really, to be honest with you, is like I said, they were surprised last year. They took a leap forward and challenged for a playoff spot. And you're you're questioning, you know, can they do it this year? OK, because we think that Ben Cheryl is probably going to be an all star candidate. He was rookie of the year last year. Can he push forward? Um, I got uh, the guy that really watch for with Orlando is going to be John, Jonathan Isaac. OK, he's been injured. He's been uh, had some illnesses. Um, he's really uh, been, you know, not the guy that they drafted out of Florida. Um, and so the question is, he's a decent defender. He's can shoot the ball. You know, the thing about Jonathan Isaac is he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Some of the key free agents coming up for them. You got Marquez Folks. You got uh, Cole Anthony. Um Mo Wagner, they just picked the, the team option with, but they got to make a decision with Gary Harris. Um, you know, some, some of those pieces that were veteran pieces here that helped them kind of lay the foundation down. Okay. Um, you know, you've got to ask yourself, what are you going to do here? Because they've got some star power over here. And I feel like that this is the year that Orlando should take a leap forward. Wendell Carter Jr., he was stellar. Joe Ingles, I just talked about him. You still got Jalen Suggs, uh, Anthony Black, who I think is going to be a tremendous point guard. He reminds me a lot of Magic Johnson. Jet Howard, uh, remember his uh, dad played in the NBA, Juwan Howard. He played with Chris Webber, Fab Five. He's been an NBA champion. And so a lot of different pieces for Orlando. You're hoping that they take the step forward. Next up, you have the Washington Wizards. So the Washington Wizards, to me, they're stellar in the sense that I think that they've got a nice young core. Um, I don't expect them to really make a playoff push in this division. And I think that when you look at Cal Kuzman, he had a career year last year. I'd expect for him to have a career year this year. I think it's going to open it up a lot more for him, the fact that he has um, Jordan Poole coming over there. So I think that that's going to open it up from a playmaking standpoint. I think that, 
Um, Jordan Poole is going to now – he's now put into a position where he has the lead, you know, because he's an NBA champion. So is Cal Kuzman. So these guys know how to win. So I think for the first time in a long time – I will say that Washington has like a, a winning culture that they're building on. You know, a lot of these guys that they had over there, you know, they had won some games, but they hadn't necessarily had um, some championship experience over here. So, you know, I think that this is the first time that you're going to see that um, uh, with, with Washington. So I, I think that, you know, it starts with Kuzman. It starts with uh, pool. I think that they're obviously going to be the players to watch this year. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think that they should be in the playoffs. They let go of Porzingis. They got rid of Gallinari. Um, they've got uh, Tyrus Jones over here. Um, you know, excuse me. They've got Tyrus Jones, Gallinari, who's actually had some experience. You've got Landry Shampard. They've got a first round pick over here. So they've got tons of picks in that Phoenix deal to get Bradley Bill out of there. Um, and they also have a guy that I think is going to be intriguing. Um, and that is the young man that played in France with Wimbenyana. He's the starting forward there. Um, Baile Kolabali. I'm not sure if I said his name correctly, but right here on the screen, you see him. But one thing about him, and I think this is true to form, I think that he reminds me a lot of Matisse Thibault, who plays over in Portland, but I think he's a lot better. I think that this guy, I, I think he's like, he could be, I'm not going to say he's top five, but he's definitely in my top 10 in this rookie class. Like I think it's something special about him because he's, he's literally his wingspan is seven two. Okay. So he has a freakish wingspan and he can shoot the three ball. He can handle the ball very well. He plays big and he also plays like a guard. So he's like a everything kind of guy. And you're looking up here, um, you know, you're seeing he's like a hybrid defender. It's, it's strange. Like he can play inside. He can play outside. He can play small forward. He can play power forward. And he has guard like instincts. So it's almost like a, a Draymond Green kind of player. Right. But he doesn't necessarily have that intensity. And I love the fact that he's been quietly in the shadow of Wimbenyana. So I love that about him. And he's been having such a good camp and such a good summer league that he's actually going to be starting. And so he's a guy that I'm going to keep my eye on. I think that the Wizards can possibly at least be in a play-in situation. I think that there may be still like a veteran away here. Um, I like that they do have Patrick Baldwin Jr. over here. I don't know what they're going to do with Johnny Davis, who was a high pick last year in the lottery, um, played a lot in the G League, didn't really see a whole bunch this year in the preseason thus far. I think he's injured already. He did have a good summer league, but the summer league to the preseason is different. So, um, I'd expect for them to probably be in the bottom of that division, so to speak, um, you know, if I were to rank it out. And so, you know, really, for the most part, guys, I'm just going to make a quick, bold prediction here with who I think is going to be at the top of each division that we just looked at. So at the top of the Atlantic division, I like for the Celtics to win that division. As far as the central division, I like the Bucks to take um the win in this division. And as far as the Southeast division is concerned, I still think it's Miami's division to lose here. Um, I talked about how they've added some 
free agents and some guys that are basically undrafted or guys that you slept on in the draft that I think are going to help them. Um, you know, the real question is, you know, can those guys take the leap forward? I think that they've added the size because they got to the NBA finals and they had no answer for the Joker and that size. So they actually went out and addressed it. The problem with the Miami Heat is it's young. And so that's the one thing that I would say about them. They're young. Um, you know, I'd expect at the top of these divisions, I like Miami, Milwaukee, and I like the Celtics as my top three overall to come out of the East. And then out of those three, um, I, I want to say that, you know, perhaps I like, man, it's hard to, to really to go against uh, Jimmy buckets, man. But I, I like it. It might actually come down to a, maybe a Miami and Milwaukee perhaps finals it could be that um wouldn't sleep on the celtics this year either like it wouldn't surprise me if the celtics got out of the east but y'all have to do a bold prediction man going into the to the to the nba season man but right now yeah it's it's tough for me to, to gauge i have three teams i'll have to narrow it down guys you'll have to get see the follow-up video to see what i think here but for the most part guys that is today's show uh we just went over the eastern conference here uh we will be going over the Western conference um, on our next show guys. So uh, as I get ready to sign off here, guys, I just want to go ahead and I want to thank anchor for being our platform. I want to go ahead and uh, you know, let you know that you can follow us now on anchor, which is now Spotify podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube, which is real talk sports with Rico. Um, and all those links will be in the show notes. I want to thank the sponsors out there who put sponsorship on the show and the fans out there who have listened to us on a week-to-week basis. And so for myself, uh, this is Rico. This is Real Talk Sports. We'll be back with another show, guys. I'll see you guys on the next one. And we're out of here. And peace. Peace, 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 guys. Take care.